from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 113. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined across the table from Jason Snell. Top of the morning to you, Jason Snell. Hello, mate. That's no, that's the wrong. That's this the wrong is a one. podcast. We're in Ireland <laughs> at the All Conference. We're back together again. Again. And we're recording. I see you an awful lot. This yep. is like the fourth time I've seen you this year. Something like that. Mm. You just can't quit me, Snell. No. We have some very important follow-up to start off this week's episode. We have the draft results. Oh, yes. Now, it is safe to say you destroyed me in the draft. Turns out. I made a fatal flaw in my draft picks. I expected Apple would release more than one computer, and I based many of my picks around that. You took many of your picks around what would happen to the MacBook, and that really edged you out ahead. Yeah. In, a, in a very significant way. I didn't have a lot of uh, confidence in the iMacs and the Mac Pro and the MacBook. And uh turned out that was good. Turns out that was definitely the right move because you absolutely destroyed me. I want to run through them very quick so we can just talk about what you got. And, and uh, there was just a couple of points that I wanted to discuss with you. So yes. new MacBook Pro. Yep. MacBook Pro with Touch ID sensor. MacBook Pro has no traditional USB ports. These I thought I all... was gambling on that one, but yeah, I got it. You got it. MacBook Pro has P3 color gamut. Um, Another gamble. We're ticking that. They didn't say P3, but you confirmed it. They did say wider. They just didn't go into details. Right. I consider that a tick for you. Yes, way. I agree. Um, all updated Macs have USB-C or Thunderbolt 3 ports. That's a great one because there was only one Mac. <laughs> uh, developer API for Magic Toolbar slash touchscreen on MacBook Pro. They did mention it on stage. They did. This is the one that, that I wanted to discuss with you. Now, our independent adjudicator... Mr. Stephen Hackett. ...gave you a half point. Mm-hmm. I gave a question mark for this. New Retina external display. Right, I didn't say from Apple, I suppose. No, and and I don't <laughs> knew know that uh, that they would partner with LG to uh, make a special display. Yeah, basically. and once the resolution is good, like it's not called a Retina display, is it? It's just called like a five K. It's a five K. It's it's I believe the same panel in the five K as in the five K on Mac. So I would, yeah. I mean, I agree with the adjudicator. Half point works here because it's kind of. It's like a technicality. Like this is a display, right. but it's not the one we were thinking it was going to be. Exactly. No, I think that's. Right. I think it's fair. I think that's fair. So the only point that I got was MacBook Pro includes touchscreen function row. That was my right. You got the point. touch bar. Got the touch bar. So AirPods shipping that was broken like two days before Apple said it was delayed. Yes. Then this one's so close. I'm so upset about this. The 13-inch MacBook, not MacBook Air. It actually is a MacBook Pro. Yeah. Right? They, the one with the the one that you have right in front of me. Right, right in front of me right about, now, yes. Which Marco has dubbed, which I think is his greatest naming, the MacBook Escape. I think it's the best yeah, I'm name fan, that Marco has come up with. I, I'm not a fan. but um, It's just funny to me, like, watching it. I was like, ah! Oh, like, they, even Apple caught it out. It's like, this is the Mac, the next generation of the MacBook Air, but now it's a MacBook Pro. Yeah. And I was like, if I, I was so close. They're very much making the argument, we'll get into it later, that it's sort of the follow-on to the 13-inch MacBook Air. Which is a, straw, it's just a bit of a straw man. Several hundred dollars more, that's all. Uh, refreshed iMacs did not get. Refreshed nope. MacBook Mac Pro did not get. Nope. MacBook Adorable Speed Bump did not get. Refreshed MacBook Air without Retina Display did not get. I tied with the Upgradians. Yes, you did. Because they got colors on the MacBook Pro. <laughs> Which we just, I think the chat room suggested that right at the end. Right at the very end. I was terrified when they started with Apple TV. <laughs> I, I really thought that the Joe was going to get his 4K Apple so TV. So did I. So did I. But they ended it without that. I was 
relieved. But yeah, so I was absolutely decimated in the draft. Uh, so Jason, congratulations, you're 2016 draft champion. Thank you, Mike. It's an honor and a privilege to defeat you. But you tied with the Upgradians, so you've got that going for you. I did. That's great. Your optimism, your boundless optimism about a Mac line refresh at that event was your undoing. Yeah. I mean, just looking at it, it seems, looking at it now, like even back at it, it still seems like I would have made those picks again, right? Like it was like, oh, you would expect, considering nothing had been updated all year, that something might be. But no, we just got the MacBook Pro. Yeah. I think there's some timing issues there, it sounds like, in terms of Intel chip availability. Seems like um, there's lots of issues. I'm sure, I, I would actually say, I'm sure that if Apple felt like it could ship updated iMacs in the fall, it would do it, mm-hmm. because it's done in the last two years. But I think that they, uh, I think that they couldn't. Yeah. Um, before we talk about the Mac event in a bit more detail and the MacBook Pro, um, also last week, very busy week, were huh. Apple's fiscal fourth quarter results mm-hmm. uh, buzzfeed summed this up in a great tweet for me it's like they, they basically distilled all of the earnings into one tweet apple's annual sales fell for the first time in 15 years it's also making 100 million dollars in profit every day like yeah. i just love that it's like that is the both things is yes they they had another like was it maybe the last quarter or the quarter before like another bad record-breaking thing right like this yep. time what was it last time was a profit decline Mm-hmm. Was it the first profit decline or the first time they hadn't ex- like uh, hadn't excelled on the previous quarter? Yeah. Um, and now this one is a sales fall for the first time in 15 years. Can you explain that a little bit? Like, What does that actually mean? I, uh, well, th- in this case, it's annual sales. So basically, they're, they're looking at the, at the revenue. Um, this was the last quarter of Apple's fiscal year. So if you, if you total up the sales, the revenue for, a, uh, for, for the year and compare it to the previous year, it's the first time that it has gone down from the previous year in 15 years. And this is the story of fiscal 2016 for Apple. Fiscal 2016 for Apple, quarter one was slightly up year over year. And then the next three quarters were way down year over year because of the huge um, second, third, and fourth quarters of um, of fiscal 2015, mm-hmm. owing to the success of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. And that was, and that was it. And they um, they forecast a year over year increase in uh, Q1 for 2017, which is the holiday quarter. They think that this holiday quarter will be better than last holiday quarter for them. So that's a return to growth for Apple. Let's um, hope they do that. I mean, they know what they're doing. Uh, that will be good. That will be a good way to start next year, right? Right. And then their year over year comparisons become 2016 instead of 2015, and it gets a lot easier. Our, our, uh, those of us who've been arguing for a while now that if you take if you if you take fifteen as an aberration and you map fourteen to sixteen, what you really see um, is growth, because sixteen is higher than fourteen. It's just there's fifth, you know, it sort of goes ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then if you pretend fifteen doesn't exist and then draw the line to sixteen, the growth actually kind mm-hmm. of tracks. It's that fifteen was this aberration to the positive, and. Um, as after this next quarter, they're going to be comparing themselves to 16 instead of 15, uh, where they were lower, and now they'll be higher again. So they may have, you know, they may post year over year growth the whole year. We'll have to see, but they're forecasting it for quarter one, which was a little surprising to me. Were there any other highlights for you? 
I mean, the iPad is still just like still oh, going God. down, right? You know, it's what we, we we've talked about in the past. The iPad is it may it may have hit bottom now, but every time we say that, I'm then disappointed. The next time, I would really like to see some growth in the iPad, yep. and they're they're um, you know, it's not its decline is not great at this point year over year, um, and they're still selling a bunch, but it's I, I would really like to see the iPad reach a level where we're out of the cycle of um. Everybody bought them at the beginning, and then they just stopped buying them because they had them and they last for a long time. I would like to see signs that it's now kind of a normal product that just kind of does a even a relatively slow growth over time, and it and it, and it continues to grow. And it's still, you know, it it the results haven't been that consistent. That might be a better thing for twenty seventeen because, like, looking at the graphs, the decline is slowing down through twenty sixteen mm-hmm. compared to where it started to fall down from the start of twenty fifteen. Yep, you know, like the 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 gaps are hundreds of thousands of units difference rather than millions of units difference. So maybe twenty seventeen. I feel like we say this every time, though, will be the year where we start to see some stability in the iPad sales. I agree with you, and I think it goes back to saying that, you know, Apple will look a lot better year over year in 2017 because of 2016, right? And that goes across a lot of different product categories. But, and I said this on, maybe in my article or maybe on Twitter, and I got some pushback from somebody who was a big iPad fan, suggesting, no, 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 you know, it'll be fine. There's a long buying cycle, all these things. And what I had to say to him was, these are, I agree with you. These are the things that we've been saying all along. The problem is, it's very hard to keep saying that, oh, no, that now it's hit bottom, and not realize after a year or two that it it still hasn't yeah. that you can you can have yeah. that optimism and the feeling like it's about to turn it around but at this point i've said it too many times i want to see it actually turn around before i say it because i i you know how many quarters have we thought this is the one where it's going to show that yeah. the ipad is stabilized and it still hasn't i mean nope. it's still dropping still dropping so like again it's like the amount is dropping is lessening Mm-hmm. But it's still going down. Yeah. So that's what we have to scratch for at this point. And this has been true the last couple of quarters. It's slowing down its fall, but it still hasn't stopped falling. The you know every time I think I wrote every time you think that the iPad has hit bottom, you realize nope, it's still got a little bit further to fall. Maybe it's settling down at the bottom now, yeah. and we'll finally turn around. But I would like to see the turnaround before I trumpet the uh, the turnaround of the iPad. I can't. I can't. The hit bottom thing isn't working for me anymore no. because the, we haven't, still haven't. But like the one thing that I like to hang on to is it sells more than the Mac. Like, and it's weird that we don't really put any focus on the Mac with this because yeah. it's stable, and that's the, the reason with the iPad is it's not stable. Right. So like it could dip below Mac levels. Like well, it could. We iPad revenue is below the Mac now. Yep. And that's a little surprising. And there's a question of where it ends up when the, when it stabilizes. But that that but that's my question is we we thought if you would ask me a year ago I said well it'll stabilize to be a, a little bit above what the Mac sells and it it's not now. So is it not? Is the iPad market actually less than the Mac market? I don't know. Well, to follow the meme through, the average selling price of the Mac must have gone up this year because they didn't update them. Right, like the the amount of money Apple is making, their margins on the Mac throughout 2016 must have been fantastic. Because right, so the average selling price wouldn't have, wouldn't have changed because of that, but the the profit per Mac would yeah. have changed. Yeah, that's and what I'm I think. For, that's, yeah, I think that's probably true. That must, I mean, that must have been the case. You know, they they continued to make all the same products with all the same components for a year. Right, and the margins. Yeah, but the sales were the sales were way down. Boy, I, I did a chart of the of the Mac sales, and it's just you know, it was a. Like so much of fiscal 2016 for Apple, 
it was a really bad year for the Mac. Not like the sales like vanished, but as we all know, they they didn't release any yeah. new Mac Macs after uh, first quarter basically, which was the 4K iMac along with a refreshed 5K iMac, and the and then they did the MacBook in the spring, and that's about it. So I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. Yeah. Um, before we uh, before we kick off with more MacBook stuff, I keep teasing this, but uh, as of last night, iOS 10.2 Beta 1 was released to developers, and it includes a huge emoji overhaul, as well as um, Unicode 9 introductions. So, of course, the, the guy on the scene, a good friend of the show, Mr. Jeremy Birch, has a great post over on Emojipedia, where he goes into detail and explains and shows off some of the stuff. So, Apple has added, they, they're at parity with uh, Microsoft and Google now, in that they have Unicode 9 support. So that adds things like um, clown faces, avocados, foxes, owls, shrugging people, um, and as well as like a bunch of new uh, professions like artist and rock star and astronaut in both genders, and they've added a lot more gender parity emoji, uh, like a Mrs. Claus, for example. Hmm. So there's a lot more going on there. Um, But with that... um, I think surprisingly, Apple took this as a time to redesign vast amounts of their emoji. So they've they've kind of brought a lot of the emoji to look like the more recent ones that have been added. So they've made things a bit more shiny, a bit more lifelike, a bit more cartoony. Um, And I've been kind of, I I installed the beta this morning and I've been looking around and some of them look really, really good. And it's a new, fresh look uh, that I quite like a lot. Okay, so, I'll have to check that out. I, I I was impressed with your immediate download of a beta operating system onto your iPhone while traveling at a conference. But emoji, emoji. are that important to you? But like this things like you know like, things that I've wanted for a while are in there now. Like there's a whiskey, there's bacon, there is a green face to show that somebody is sick. You know all these. Uh, you know, so I wanted to check out some of these because a lot of the emoji, uh, a lot of the Unicode nine is stuff that I've been waiting for for a while. Like uh, fingers crossed is in there as well. Right. So, yeah, that is. I mean, so when people send you emoji that mm-hmm. look like a box, that's what it is. That, they're they're on the ten two beta. I mean, it, many people roll their eyes at this Indeed, stuff. They're doing it right now. But this is massively important for OS adoption now. Yes. You know, which surprises me that Apple didn't put these in 10. It surprises me that it's taken them until 10.2. So I'm wondering what else 10.2 might include by the time it's released. Because emoji are like a Trojan horse now. Like, if you want people to upgrade their operating system, put the new emoji in there and people will do it. Right. So I'm I'm intrigued to see, like, would 10.2 just be these emoji? Or will there be some other features in there that we haven't seen yet? Also in 10.2, mm. there's some new uh, backgrounds, like some new wallpapers. Um, and I think there's a new celebration effect in iMessages. Mm. So that's all there is so far, but it's just the the, the beta one of, of uh, 10.2. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll talk about the Mac. So this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. You can start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash upgrade. When you go there, you'll get yourself a lovely 14-day free trial, so you can dig in and see what Pingdom's all about. And then when you enter the offer code upgrade at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice. Why do you need Pingdom? Well, let me tell you. Things break on the internet all the time. Pingdom actually detect around 13 million outages every single month. That's more than 400,000 outages 
a day. Now, these outages can be anything. They can be your website going down completely, or it could just be key functionality breaking, like your checkout or your login form. Well, this is what Pingdom is here to help you with. They can monitor all of this. They can monitor your availability of your entire website or just these key interactions that people might be accessing that are super important. Like if you have a store as part of your website and and the store functionality goes down, you really want to know that but your website might be up, so it can be difficult to tell. Well, Pingdom can monitor it all. They take care of all of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. All you need to do is give the URL to Pingdom that you wish for them to monitor, and they take care of the rest. When Pingdom detects an outage, you'll be immediately alerted, and there's a myriad amount of ways in which you can choose for them to alert you, so you can get just the right alert at just the right time in the way that you need it, and then you'll be able to fix that error before the downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants to access your site. You don't want to get tweets. You don't want to get emails telling you your website's down. You want Pingdom to tell you before anybody else can, and that's what they do. Check it out today, and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. Go to pingdom.com slash upgrade for a 14-day free trial and use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get 20% off. Thank you so much to Pingdom for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. So you were at the uh, the Mac event. Um, overall yes, opinion sir. of the event, it was uh, this is now, I believe, the last event in Town Hall. Well, you never know. Not until they bull- bulldoze Town Hall. <laughs> right, Poor but- Town Hall. But uh, yes, this seems to be probably the last media event. It sounds like Apple will be ready with their new facility next year for any events that they do. But never say never. You never know. Anything is possible. But yeah, this seemed to be the uh, the encore event at at Town Hall. So we all you know went to Infinite Loop and parked and walked through and number one, and they usher you through into the the lawn in the center of the of the the circle and you walk along a path over to number four which is where town hall is overall opinions of the event it seemed like it was weirdly paced slow in points faster than others yeah i i often will in an apple event i'll i'll think to myself um this is going fast or this is going slow and i'll look at the i'll look at the clock and think is there more to come how much more is there to come is this the last thing and i'll be honest I looked down at one point and thought they got to have something else, and they didn't. I mean, they they usually Apple will usually fill two hours. If mm-hmm. you give them two hours, they will fill two hours, and they usually give themselves two hours. And this was a ninety-minute event. It just wasn't enough. They were just they were done, and you can see. So, all right, we could speculate. Maybe there were other things that they wished that they could do, and the chip availability wasn't there. You know, maybe they are ready to ship. Uh, an updated iMac and they can't get the chip availability from Intel, right? I mean, there's, we'll talk about this more in some of the reaction to a lot of this stuff that people have had out there, but so much gets ascribed to Apple and Apple's demeanor toward a product category or a particular product or a particular brand of user that, and I'm not saying it's all of that out of Apple's hands. It's Apple has to own the decisions it makes about its products the design decisions it makes. But there are some things that Apple doesn't own. Like, if do we not think that there is a Thunderbolt 3 iMac using the latest generation Intel processors designed in the lab at Apple? Of course there is. Can they ship it in volume so that they can fulfill all iMac orders over the holidays? 
I think clearly not. Because, uh, like, why wouldn't they want to do that? Exactly. They're and already again, selling this computer. Again, I see so many people on the internet saying Apple, Apple doesn't care. It's like, do you, like you said, do you really think if Apple was capable of shipping in volumes so that they don't run out and make people angry that they can't buy an iMac, an updated iMac, uh, you know, of course they would rather do that. But that requires them to have the chips in volume. And again, there may be decisions that they made. But that iMac, you know, I'm sure they wanted to update it like they updated it last year. And they didn't get a chance. I, I'm sure they'd like to turn over their whole product line to, to Thunderbolt 3 right now. But um, it's not always that. So that's part of it for me is maybe they intended there to be more here. And they just couldn't do it. Let me ask you a question on that though, because I mean, I, I'm I'm majorly agree with you. It's like it's not a a neglect thing. There are reasons because it's just bad business to not do this. Right. However, on the other side of it, they're selling really old computers for high prices. Oh, yes. Well, we'll get we'll get to the other ones. The iMac's not a really old computer though, right? The iMac's were updated a year ago. Yeah, I mean that one's kind of fair, and that's why I say Apple it, Apple's may responsible for the decisions it makes. So like. When we, if we want to talk about the Mac Pro and the Mac Mini, especially the Mac Pro, um, and when we talk about the MacBook Pro and why it took so long, I think it's it's Apple's decisions coupled with Intel's product issues, and so it's one of those things. I don't know. You make uh, Mike is looking at a flying. There's a wasp. There was a wasp outside the window. Maybe we'll get visited by the ghost of Ool that we got last <laughs> year here, too. Uh, you know, it, it's if you've ever had this in your life where you make a decision and you realize that you're sort of making that decision based on a gamble, like, well, I'm gonna, I think we can do this unless this other person doesn't come through. It'll all be fine. And then that person doesn't come through. And was it all their fault if you could have made a different decision? You know, I think that's sort of where it is with Apple is Apple thought it could get away. I've said this before. Apple thought it could get away with skipping a generation and some of the Intel processors and it would be fine because the next generation was coming and that timing worked better for them. And then the Intel processor time frame slipped and oops. They and made that, a bad gamble. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. So it's it's a combination of things. But I think for the iMac, it's it's not like that um, because for the iMac... Is it, a, is it a huge deal if the iMac gets refreshed in the spring instead of the fall? Not really. Not really. It's, I'm sure they would rather have done it in the fall. But I don't think it's Apple saying we don't care about the iMac, and so we're not updating it today. Does Apple care about the Mac Pro? I think Apple cares about the Mac Pro slightly more than they care about the Mac Mini. <laughs> yeah. But only slightly. I think, that, I think it's a, an edge product. Both the Mac of those Mini products is way are, less important. Those are the, yeah, those are the edge products, though. Those are the edge products in terms of overall Mac sales. Now, they are very important, and the Mac Pro is extremely important when it comes to a certain kind of user, and we know them. We love them. Many of them listen to this show. And I'd say that it's important to Apple, too, to have that power computer at the high end of the line. Um, But how many cycles do they spend on Mac Pro updates? And like I said, I think they got caught in between product cycles, between processor cycles for Mintel. And they they thought they could skip a refresh and then get the next refresh and everything got delayed. And, you know, I can't... I mean, they blew it. They blew it. Yeah, because there's no... That, that Mac yeah, yeah. Pro should not be for sale now. No. It's it's It shouldn't... It, 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 it was not worth buying... 
a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, <laughs> because of things that have happened in my part of the world, they put the price up. It's 500 pounds more expensive now for an even old, you know, for an older computer. I know the reason they've done it. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, they blah, talked blah. about it a lot during the financials. That one but of the it's things still that, been done. <laughs> one of the things that people hit them on uh, a lot of their their sales drops, and in some kind of countries, they said we're also fighting a major currency problem. And they their result is that they um, they did reprice things in a lot of significant markets, significant price increases yeah. and, in the UK, and that's you know. That's Apple, you know, the the pound isn't worth what it was worth. It's funny, like, it, you know? it, it, what it's gone back to is interesting because it's gone back to the kind of prices when I started buying Apple computers. When, like, the economy was very different, but Apple just were different. Yeah. You know, and it was closer to, like, take the dollar number and change the sign to a pound. That's what you paid. And it's way closer to that again, which is yeah. it's interesting to see Apple go there. But if you've been buying Apple computers in the UK for long enough, we've had our glory days now. You know, we we got cheaper computers for a while and so now, you know, like for me, I'm going to buy computers in America again. Right. You know, like I'm not going to buy them in the UK. This is what I used to do. You know, I used to buy stuff in the States and I'm just going to go back to doing that. Or like, you know, hop over to anywhere in Europe. I saw somebody saying like you could buy you could go to Ireland and buy an iPhone and come back again and you'd still be like eighty pounds up. Mm. You know, this is just this is just the the reality that we're in again. Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about the MacBook Pro. Okay. So you have with you the MacBook Pro with the Function Row, right? The, the non Touch Bar version. But you've tried the Touch Bar version. Yes. And I want to kind of get your opinion on this. You know, we spoke about this in Memphis in August about mm-hmm. the idea of the types of things you can do with it, and you were kind of pontificating what you'd like to see. Focusing on the Touch Bar because it is the key thing that Apple announced is that it's the, the the jewel in the crown of the product. What do you think of it? I think it's interesting that Apple has, and probably right, to approach it as an input device. And I that I talked to people who at Apple who kept hammering that message home that yep. this is an input device. It's not a it's not a screen. Don't think of it as a display. It's an input device. And the way it's built, the coating on it that makes it kind of feel like a trackpad, the you know, the angle it's meant to be viewed at a 45 degree angle oh, so it's, it's angled I it's know no that. so the the screen's not angled but the opt the, like the glass and all of that is optimized your optimal viewing oh. angle for it is 45 degrees be- so apple right man, I love it that. is so apple but at the same time right i mean you're not going to be viewing it from above unlike every other screen mm-hmm. where you're looking at it straight on this is something that you're viewing at an angle so they optimize for that view the the screen itself is you know is not angled but they 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 know the eyeballs that are looking at that screen are coming from an angle. So the last thing you want to do is have the optimal viewing angle be right up above. So it's an input device. Like the first time I saw it, I, I really was taken aback by the fact that the virtual keys looked very much like the real keys. Like mm-hmm. even almost mm-hmm. like to having a matte kind of finish on it, the way that the way that it looked. 
and uh, I was impressed by that. You can't adjust the brightness of the display. It automatically does the right thing. It uses the light sensor. I suspect it also uses the status of the backlighting and and uh, various other things to figure out how to sort of match the keyboard. It it, it really is oh. supposed to blend in with the keyboard, not the screen, not the screen. Interesting. It's it's a and it goes back to that whole. I wrote a piece on six colors about it this week. Uh, or last week, the I don't know what week it is, Mike. I flew for a very matter. long time. It's about perpendicular surfaces on the computer. Apple has defined the difference. What's the difference between an iPad and a Mac? iPad is a single surface that you can touch. You interact with it directly. A Mac is two perpendicular surfaces, a display surface, and an interaction surface. Top and bottom. Top and bottom. Um, and so this is on the bottom. This is this is an input device. There's a there are now three input devices on those MacBook Pros. There's a trackpad, a keyboard, and a touch bar, and they're all that's where your hands are. That's that's the plane you're reaching out with your hands and resting them on that surface, and that's where all your controls are. And then your content is in the uh, is in the screen up above, and that separates them from Microsoft, which believes that Microsoft doesn't have an iPad per se. Yep. Instead, it believes that there's a commingling of PC and touch interface and that what you really want to do is be able to touch the screen. Yeah, it's like they they see the top and bottom but they put different functions on them. Right? So like for Microsoft, touch goes on the top and keys go on the bottom. Right? Where like for Apple it's like no, nothing touches on the no, top. Yeah. But the hands just stay on the bottom. Apple's philosophy is that nobody wants to touch their laptop screen. Yep. And Microsoft doesn't believe that. Now, you can argue that. I mean, it, I, think, I think it's perfectly reasonable. Sometimes I get in, I, 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 people start to argue with me on Twitter, especially uh, about how it's perfectly fine to touch a screen. And I have to say, I, I'm, you know, I'm open on that question. I'm just trying to explain to you Apple's philosophy will say you know it's almost like a dogma at this point yep is zombie arms don't touch the screen you don't want to touch the screen it's no good just like that's what they believe and i think there's a question and they've been saying this for years now i do wonder sometimes how often do they revisit it i hope they revisit it regularly and say they still believe it oh. and it, that it, it hasn't just become like five years ago we decided touchscreens were bad never speak of it again i think that it's it it isn't true anymore because they sell keyboards for ipads at the point where apple makes their own keyboard for an ipad mm-hmm. then they are saying zombie arms are okay it's like the ipad it's yeah. okay the mac no no that's crazy talk i i think the the challenge would be that if they do it in the Mac, they have to revise the Mac interface to have like touchable targets. Well, I think that's what it is. I don't I don't think the that the idea anymore is no one should reach out because we do that. I think the idea is we don't want to redesign Mac Mac OS well, for the touch because at the point we do that, we may as well just make it all iOS. Well, that and, and I think that is when we talk when we talk about philosophies of Apple and Microsoft. Bottom line, I, I do believe that they believe these things internally, but. It is a belief that is driven by what their assets are. Microsoft. I just think it's has, changed. Yeah, Microsoft failed with the concept of having a separate thing for touch and for com- traditional computer. They, they it it failed. All of their you know Surface, uh, their their ARM version of Surface and mm-hmm. all of that, and and a total me- like the Metro thing. They're like, all oh, right, it's all one thing. It's all one device. Apple has an incredibly successful touch based 
operating system. And so Apple's take on it really is like, look, if you want a big touchscreen, use an, use an iOS device. Why would we make the Mac into iOS? We already have iOS. Mm-hmm. So the Mac is now the traditional computer interface for people who want it. And if you want a touch interface, I mean, Apple is far more likely, put it this way, Apple is far more likely to continue progressing the iPad forward to allow it to do all the things that prevent people from switching from the Mac to an iPad than it is progressing the Mac to be more friendly with touch. Yeah. Why would they do that? I mean, I, I wrote a piece a couple of years ago about this, and I think it's still true, which is you've got to view the Mac... And I, I don't mean this to be insulting, and I don't, I'm a Mac user. I use the Mac all the time. You've got to view the Mac as like, I was going to say legacy product, but it's like classic. It's like a classic interface and a classic metaphor, and it's for people who want to use a computer. Adding a whole bunch of touch interface and stuff like that, they're not going to do it because it's not a computer anymore. It's, that's, the act there is trying to upgrade the Mac into being a new 21st century operating system with all these different interactions. And Apple's already got that operating system. So it's far more likely that Apple will build the iPad and, and the iPhone to be more, uh, to add all of these f- technical and flexible things that people say, but, but, but I can't use that. I have to have my Mac because then it is that they're going to iP- iPadify the Mac. The Mac exists to be the Mac, to be familiar, to be the thing that we know it to be with it. And, and when they add something like Touch Bar, they're, they're like, what can we do to enhance the Mac? without breaking what makes it a Mac. They bring it's like the touch bar is the continued march of the iOSification of the Mac. Like it is the what can we bring to it without breaking without it. Without breaking the breaking the metaphor. And it was like it started with back to the Mac, right? The back yeah. to the Mac event was yep. the first time that they did this. And because a large amount of the functions that they showed that the touch bar could do were things that the iOS keyboard does. Like quick type, like an emoji picker, like the, uh-huh. it is bringing that stuff right. Like there right. are there is a big meme right now, which I can kind of see of like over time that keyboard is going to become <laughs> a not keyboard, right? Like a software keyboard or an all screen keyboard or whatever, right? Because it enables Apple to follow through with the original vision that Steve presented in the iPhone introduction of why there isn't a physical keyboard on the iPhone, right? Because then you are not restricted by the keyboard; you can do anything, you could add anything, which is what makes the the is it called the Touch Bar? Touch Bar. The Touch Bar is so interesting to me because. It makes the keyboard a more interactive experience. And with a lot of the things that I do on a Mac, the idea of having these functions and shortcuts and bars and tools available to me where my hands are and where my eyes are looking because of how I use a keyboard is incredibly exciting to me. Mm-hmm. So much so, I could never buy one of these. Like The, the touch bar is so interesting to me as a product I cannot buy the MacBook Pro because I, wa- I don't work on it all the time. Right. And when I'm not you using be it, I would be very, very sad. Yeah, Because this is like, for a user like me, this is a, a fantastic product because it is something that surfaces hard to find controls and is also really, really useful to somebody who looks at the keyboard a lot, like I do. You know, So I think that this product is very interesting. So much so, like Federico said this, 
I hope that they find a way to build this into a iPad keyboard <laughs> at some point, right? Because these functions are just very interesting. Like, what apps did you play with and what sort of functions did they have? Oh, let's see. I mean, I use I used like mail and and text edit. Um I used uh Final Cut a little bit mm-hmm. briefly. Um photos. It was it was all over the map. And then the demo showed I do believe that this is a going to be a year of real exploration for Apple in terms of what the interface of a touch bar really should do because even on screen I found like the way Adobe approached the touch bar in Photoshop versus the way that Apple approached it or you know Microsoft Office or something like that was very different and I was thinking that the Photoshop touch bar looked better than the uh than the uh than the Final Cut touch bar. Why so? I don't know, it felt it felt like it's hard to say. I mean, it, it felt like they had a better sense of why you would use that surface and how you would apply commands on that surface. Um, but what really just struck me is, I mean, I don't want to, I shouldn't judge them. They were different. I liked the Photoshop one better, but I, the bigger point is they seem to take different approaches with their touch bar interfaces. And that leads me to believe that we're going to spend the next year learning what a good touch bar interface is and what a bad touch bar interface is. My only problem with that is that it is, like you said, going to be this subset. It's going to be only the people who buy the high-end MacBook Pros who have this functionality and nobody else is going to have it. And that will slow adoption and that will uh, limit who gets to kind of uh, shape what this is like. But I think I think over the next year, I suspect that it feels to me like, you know, Apple had its first take on this. Like, oh, well, look, you can use it to do, do this and this and this. And then you can already see with some of these developers that they're pushing it a lot further. And that might make Apple revisit it. Like the DJ it. guy was yeah. doing his whole thing. Like he did the whole thing. Like he mixed the whole track. Yeah. Whether you liked it or not, you know, that's another thing. But he was doing a lot on that thing. Yeah. And and I'm really interested by the fact that they made it a ten finger multi touch because that's unnecessary. But what it does is it means that people can can really build some interesting things into it. You know, you can have like four fingers on this thing doing all sorts of stuff, and you're good. How long is it going to be before I get one on a keyboard, like an external Magic Keyboard, uh, or even just an external touch bar, just the bar? I, I right, I uh, I don't know. I have. There's a lot of despair out there. And people who say Apple doesn't care about the Mac Pro, Apple doesn't care about the Mac, Apple doesn't care about people who use the desktop. I don't know. I kind of don't believe it. I, I I think that if Apple can make a magic keyboard with a touch bar, they will. Or just a touch bar. Like you said, I, it feels to me more likely that they would make a magic keyboard with a touch bar. Um than just a, a bar and say, good luck, stick this on top of your magic keyboard. But I, I think if they can make one, they will. I think the question is going to be about battery life on that device, most of all. I mean, because they, yeah. they'll yeah, have yeah. to embed, it'll be like an Apple Watch, right? I mean, they'll have to embed a, the, the processor in there. Yep. The, 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 the T1? T1 and a touch ID processor and a touch ID sensor and all of that. And then can they do that wired or wireless? And if they, have, if they can do it wireless, which Apple loves, then they have to, you know, you have to charge it. How, how can it go a week? Does it have to be charged every day? 
I think these are the these are the questions yeah. about it. Yeah. But I think if they can do it, they will do it. I, because I, I think having that consistency across the platforms, have, letting everybody, no matter where they are, have a touch bar, um, even if they're at their desk, I think that's a. I think that's the way that they should do it. I would and even not, take I don't it feel that wired. Like I would take a wired one. If I would that's love what a wired one. Be. I don't have. I don't have a problem. You know, I mean, Apple, Apple and wireless it's keyboards. in one place, right? Like, it's staying in one place. It's not yeah. going anywhere. Like, yeah. I, it doesn't bother me. Like, you put a battery on it, it lasts for a couple of hours, you charge it by lightning, but just leave it plugged in. Yeah. Like, I I really want this. Like, just looking at the, the, the controls for Final Cut, like, there's so many things that they were showing there. That I was like, I don't know how to do that. Right. You know, like, I'm, I'm Googling things constantly. And the idea of creating this, like, amazing toolbar, which is right in front of my hands all the time, which allows me, like, control, like, gesture control, which I'm currently doing with a trackpad, but I could move everything with the bar. It yeah. really would work for me. I was thinking of you when they were showing, how, like, and people were poo-pooing it again uh, or, about, like, the two-finger, inter- the two-handed interface. Where you're, you know, you're using the trackpad and the and the and the touch bar together, and I thought, well, I know multiple people, and you were the, you were the person who came to mind who who have two input devices yep. when they're when they're working on their Macs. So three, I, you know, I like well, when yeah. I edit the keyboard, Wacom, and trackpad. Yeah, you know, and, and when I'm editing, I use both hands. So something like the touchpad, like giving me those keyboard shortcuts on a programmable bar, would be amazing for me. So. Let's throw in too if you're using an if you're using a uh, desktop computer like yep. an iMac yep. or a Mac Pro with an external monitor or whatever you're actually further away from your screen than you are on a MacBook Pro so I think the Touch Bar is more relevant because it's it's place in the touch in the uh, input device surface of your workspace is further removed from the screen, mm-hmm. right? Like when, uh, like I would never touch my iMac screen; <laughs> it's far away, and I would never. I don't even feel the thought of like, oh, what if it were a touch screen? It's like no, no, I, it's far away. All of my stuff is on my keyboard tray, and so if I had a another input yep. mechanism down there that would actually make more sense to me so i you know i'm really excited about the future that means i could have this product like this part of the product in my in my arsenal because i think that it is a really exciting move for keyboard entry like this is yeah. a dynamic uh alive thing for 2016 like i'm really excited about it like the macbook pro that machine looks like a great machine but it's just not a machine for me anymore right because of how i work like if i wasn't so ios focused now i would buy one of those as my portable machine not just my travel machine but like the machine where i use all over the house and do all the work that i did like the macbook pro that i brought with me the macbook pro i have with me right now that's what its function used to be but it got replaced with the ipad right because it looks like Everything I kind of want. You have the one with me. These are the same dimensions. The, the MacBook Pro that you have with the with the the actual physical keys is the same product dimensions as the as the thirteen inch MacBook as the, Pro as the with, the touch, with the touch bar. Yeah. So this thing is light, uh, mm-hmm. thinner, which is key. Looks really nice. Like this is a this is a great looking machine. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like the MacBook very much, and just a kind of bigger mm-hmm. version of yep. the MacBook. But like one of the things that is it struggles for me is like the idea of using this as a desktop machine 
because is is weird because you'd want to use it with the with the keyboard open and visible like the thing open because you can use the touch bar but then you connect it to these big LG displays and I, that's just like a weird mix because ideally you want to use an external keyboard at that point. Yeah, and, and they're and they're showing it open and, and in front really of you. Work. And and I I agree with you. It's the problem with this is it's a, a, a it's a kind of interaction you want to have, but the only way you can have it is with a MacBook Pro open in front of you. Like I know why that the Touch Bar is is on this machine first. It makes sense. Like if you but like in an ideal world that should have come on an external keyboard first and then it's also available on the laptop when you take it with you but like this is a thing for sitting down on the desk working like ideally and yeah. that's why apple show like in all the the images like here is the touch bar as part of the macbook as part of this desk yes but that's not the way nobody works like that if you have external monitors i, I don't think so well not, not a lot of people, not a lot even of people. the people that work with their laptop open they still use an external keyboard which connects with that whole setup yeah so, but i understand why they're showing it that way because if you How own else that can computer you, you want to use the touch bar all the time right but it, I don't know if it works that way. But let's talk about the MacBook Pro. Okay. So you have one. Right here. What do you think of this computer? Well, it is one ounce heavier than the 13-inch MacBook Air. I'm As an 11-inch MacBook Air user, it feels heavy to me. But um, for, it, is le- it is only slightly heavier than the 13-inch Air. It is less volume, as they said, and that's because the footprint is a lot less. That they, that, you it's know, really nice size-wise. Yeah, the, the bezel is a lot smaller around, and as a result, it's a smaller computer than the Air. Um, it's and it feels denser, and it looks like I said, it looks like the MacBook. There's no and you have no it doubt in the gray, it. and it's it's really good looking because it's not yeah. too dark. It still looks like a Mac. It still looks silvery. Yeah, but it's, but it's the darker. Dark. And I, I really like the space color. I think it's a nice color. Yeah. It's one of the many variations of space gray color that yes. Apple have made. Space is, yes. Space so, is variable color. Key apparently. question. I can't believe I haven't asked you this yet. This is what everybody wants to yeah. know. Key question. The key question. So the keyboard yeah. is not the keyboard that you're... It's not, it is not an evolution of the MacBook Pro keyboard. It is an evolution of the MacBook Adorable keyboard. Yes. It is the second generation of that. Yes. It is not the Magic Keyboard. It is not. It is the MacBook Keyboard. Yes. You Bad hated, news, everybody. You hated the MacBook Keyboard. Yeah. How do you feel about the MacBook Pro Keyboard? Similarly. Oh, no. Yes. So Apple so, spent a lot of time yeah. saying that it was new and improved. Well, you know what? I don't have a MacBook with me. I'm touching it for the foot. I haven't actually pressed the keys. I don't like that keyboard very much. Um, the keyboard that I'm using on my Logitech Create for my iPad feels nicer than that. Now, I personally could use that keyboard and will be fine with it. Oh, and I can. I mean, I think what I said when I reviewed the MacBook is, I would say again, I've been, I've had this for the last few days. I can type on it. Like I can type on it full speed. I don't really like it. When every time I start typing on it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's this yep. one again. Like I can write some emails out on that, and it's fine, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like, so what I would say is, if you're a uh, user of the 12 inch MacBook and you try this, you may say, oh, it's different. Um, and I've seen some of that, and we saw, like I saw Stephen Hackett made some comments about that, um, that it's it's uh it's better. And Apple, what Apple said was, it feels like it. There's more movement, I think they said. It was something where they, 
I was waiting, right? I was hanging on every word that mm, Phil Schiller said about will. like, it, tell me what this is. Because you just said it has the butterfly mechanism. And it's like, oh no, that means it's a MacBook keyboard. And then he said, well, but we changed the dome switches underneath, the stainless steel dome switches, to be more responsive. And it has a better feel. And it feels, you know, you feel more movement or something like that. He, 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 he made lots of things. And what that sounded to me was like, oh, so it doesn't actually have any more travel than the, than the MacBook keyboard. But there's something about it that there's more of an effect when you press down on the key so they tr- it's like almost like a haptic they that's trick you they trick you this. into feeling because yeah. that, that's how I read it when they said it feels more responsive <laughs> MacBook Pros are smoke and mirrors it's all smoke and mirrors now the trackpad doesn't do anything the keyboard feels like it's popping up more than it is so um, in my briefing I asked point blank I said is it the same key travel as the MacBook and they said yeah it is. It's the same key travel as the MacBook. So don't let anybody tell you that there's that the keys move up and down more on this. It's just it more of is, a springy feeling. Yeah, the, I, 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 because I don't have a MacBook at home, I can't. I couldn't do a one to one comparison. I have no doubt that Apple is not making it up that it is more responsive mm-hmm. than the MacBook. But what I would say is this: if you're somebody who rejected the MacBook keyboard. I don't think you're going to turn around on this keyboard. I, I think if you your feelings about the MacBook keyboard will be the same about this keyboard. If if you like it, then or don't care, then you'll like it and no, not care. I can't envision more than like a very small, you know, what one percent, five percent of people changing their opinion because of the slight variation between this and the other one. This is fundamentally the same concept. Mm-hmm. And if you are somebody who really likes the MacBook Pro or MacBook Air keyboards and doesn't like the direction Apple took with the MacBook keyboard, um, you're going to have to ask yourself how much you care about getting a new MacBook Pro because you're going to have this keyboard. This is the future of all Apple keyboards. I think that's the case. Yeah, like. Well, I'm wondering now why the Magic Keyboard even exists. That will change. The next Magic Keyboard will be like that. Uh, that that's my I yeah. would I would say, because this is how Apple have done things over the past, right? Like the laptop keyboards inform all keyboards that Apple make. Yes, and so this is clearly what they're doing now because it allows them to put more stuff in the case. That's what it makes it. It allows the keyboards. Yes. It allows the whole thing to be thinner, and they can still keep battery and they can still put their stuff in, so they take up less space with the keyboard. My thing, so my thinking, they find a way to put the uh, the the touch bar on a keyboard. They need as much battery in that keyboard as possible. The way you do that is by putting the really really shallow keys in there. Yeah, like that is the future. Sorry, Casey Liss, you're gonna lose your amazing. Well, keyboard. and I gotta tell you, I if I uh, if I have to choose between good keys or the touch bar, I'm never gonna choose the touch bar. I know. Ever, but I would choose the touch bar. I know you will, because and this is the traitor. Thing, right? like, what do you do? You write for a living. I do. What do I do? I manipulate things for a living. Yeah, right. Not people, <laughs> things. But like UI, right? That's what I do. I, I move UI around. Well, I really want to see like Logic, uh, you know, yeah. which I use a lot. I want to see what the touch bar interface is. That I'm very excited about that. But but yeah, if I end up having to accept now, it's, it it is possible. I'll just be devil's advocate here a little bit. It is possible that what Apple's really decided is that they have two keyboard experiences and the one is the laptop and one is the desktop and the desktop is Magic Keyboard and the laptop is this thing and that you know because otherwise why does the magic keyboard even why did they do that why did they make that because that's an entirely new key style from either 
the MacBook or the old MacBooks or the new MacBooks. So I think it makes sense know. in the world in which they don't need more battery inside of the keyboard. Yeah, well, I'm not sure their moving. keyboard needs to be thin and light, so maybe maybe they will keep it that way. I don't know. We'll I don't see. know. Because that was always one of the advantages, like you said. One of the advantages of all the Apple keyboards being the same is that they were the same everywhere. When you switched to a laptop, you didn't go, oh, now I'm on a laptop. It was the same keyboard yep. everywhere. So that's why that's why I think they'll do it, because mm-hmm. they will standardize the keyboard feel, mm-hmm. and the laptop will drive that, as it has want. done over the last few years. Something really weird over the last few days came out. The startup chime is missing from this MacBook Pro. Apple yeah. have removed the bong from uh, this. Apparently, there is a terminal command. There's you a can way to bring it back. To bring it back. Why would they do this? Um, I would say it fits with Apple's tendency to ask about to question assumptions about their products, and when you think that the iOS devices just start up silently with a white Apple on a black screen, and that's now what the Mac does, that this is consistent. I also saw several people say on Twitter, and I thought this was pretty good, even though they knew they were being, they were swimming against the tide and they were being troublemakers was to say, yeah, you know, when I start up my iMac in the middle of the night, I totally love the loud chime that wakes up my entire family. So, I mean, it's nice that it, you know, but it's just, it's just weird. (laughs) Also, I think if you're living in a world where, two-thirds of the Macs sold their laptops. The The interaction you have with a laptop is you close the lid and you open the lid. That's all you do. You know, people don't shut down their laptops usually. They just open and close them. And in fact, with this new MacBook, when you open them, when you open it and it's shut down, it starts up. So that was a change too. And maybe they decided they really liked the interaction of if you open it, it starts up. And they didn't want it to be, if you open it, it chimes and then starts up. It's like, it's going to upset some people, right? And I'm kind of like, whatever. But like, I just think it's weird. Like, it's just like, it's just a strange thing I think, to decide to do. I think Apple has decided that the, the way that these devices, the right way for these devices to operate is silently. But like, and, in my because mind... Because the iPhone is silent. So the you remove silent. the chime when the startup is instant. Right. Well, it's getting closer, but it's still not there. Because, like, why even do it? Like, I, I know there are reasons, but it's like, why this device did you did you choose for this to be the one? I mean, because then there's like the MacBook. I don't know if this does it, but the MacBook it makes a sound when you plug it in, right? Yes. The, does this do this? Yeah. You know, it's like these strange things. It's like it's still the same operating system, but this version of the machine I, doesn't. Make I think the sound. they've. I think they've decided that Apple products behave a certain way in certain situations, mm-hmm. iOS or Mac, and they have like the Apple. So for every person who's saying, "Oh, I can't believe they don't start up with a chime," that is the every Mac I've ever owned has started up with a chime. Some people are like finally. I think. Well, I think there are a lot of people who are like expecting their Mac to behave like their iPad and their iPhone behave. Which is, you know, chirp when I plug it in, and uh, you know when Stay I st- when, when I start I when I when I open it up, have it spring into action and not ever chime, right? And I, I think I think that would be the argument is it's consistent across the product line of all of Apple's products now, and the Mac, you know, also the chime, you know, the chime was meant to be a 
differentiator over the little stupid beeps that PCs started up with. It was sort of like from that tradition of when your computer starts up, it has a beep to tell you that it's, you know, now initiating the startup process and all of that. And, you know, it's uh, it's an old way of approaching it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Apple was out of the standalone display business. Yeah, this was funny. I actually wrote a wrote a piece about um all my notes of the event and I I mentioned that they had this LG display and I asked them about it and they said, "Yes, it's P3 and it's the 5K display. It's a it's a I believe the same panel that's used in the 5K iMac. Just cut smaller." And you can attach it with one cable, one Thunderbolt 3 cable, and it will power your computer. It will charge your laptop. And it has like multiple USB ports and a webcam on it, so that you can. It's like a docking station. It's like the Thunderbolt. It's display. like what we would have expected Apple yeah. to make. And in fact, Apple worked with LG on it to the point where your keyboard controls and stuff, your system controls, will control the brightness and on the LG display and stuff. Instead of having to press a menu button and move through mm-hmm. the menus, you can do all of that from the from the computer. So. I wrote that it sounded to me like this means the end for Apple being in the display business because they just worked with a partner who makes displays to have it do all the things that they would have built in and Apple doesn't have to worry about it. And Neelay Patel at The Verge um, tweeted a link to my or like retweeted my my story link which was very nice of him, and said, this is a nice story. And for the record, Apple told me they're out of the display business. So Neil got the not confirmation. not a surprise. Not a surprise. I mean, and, and people have shown this as an example of Apple not caring about the Mac. And it's like, first off, the Thunderbolt display, I mean, Apple was kind of, you could argue, out of the display business, what, five years ago? Because they released the Thunderbolt display, and then that was it. They haven't made a, a monitor in a long time. They removed yeah. the Thunderbolt display this year, but it's been irrelevant for several years before the that. The thing is, like, the, the not care thing, you could have made that argument when they canceled the Thunderbolt display, and they said, there are great options available, go find them. Yes. But this time... They've worked with a company to make sure there's a really good monitor right. option. A company that makes monitors and cares about it and, 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 and will sell them at whatever their margins are. And Apple doesn't have to have, a, have it be Apple branded. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe this is a, a silly parallel to make, but did everybody freak out when Apple got out of the printer business? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But... You know, does Apple need to be in the monitor business? No, no it absolutely does not need to be in that business. So it's not going to be in that business. And like, just imagine that this is a slightly less good-looking Thunderbolt display, and you're all good to go. Yeah, put some tape over the LG logo yeah. if you want. But this is it. I mean, I think people should be excited because this means that when that new Mac Pro comes out next spring, let's just cross our fingers. But I think it's got to happen. And already with these new MacBook Pros. You got it now. You you want a you want a laptop and a 5K display like that 5K iMac. You it bought did. a 5K iMac because even though you're a laptop person and you'd much rather have one computer, you bought the standalone computer because you wanted that beautiful 27 inch 5K display that you know and were willing to pay for it. And now you've got two computers. Oh well, guess what? 
as of now, you you can go back to being that laptop person and running yep. it docked. You know, you can do clamshell mode if you want, and and one plug, and you're plugged in, and you're on a 5K display that is the same display as on that iMac. It's it exists today. This is the dream, right? This is the dream: external 5K display with one cable from your Mac. We're we're living the dream. So, um, I think it's all good news. Last thing I want to ask you about the MacBook: Should they have included? A USB A to C dongle in the box. Four USB C ports. Yeah, or two on the thir- on on my thirteen with the uh, function row. Yeah, exactly. You need dongles. Dongles are the word. You know, everybody is going to need them. Should they have like with the headphone jack, put one of these in the box? But the difference being, no other option, right? Like it's yeah. not like Bluetooth. There was another option. It's like all you can do is plug stuff in. I'm going to say yes for one reason, which is every iOS device Apple makes ships with uh, USB-A. And I know that the primary goal of the iPad and the iPhone is not to connect it to your computer. But, you know, sometimes you gotta. And, you know... If you're in that situation where you've got to connect to your computer, you can't now without another adapter. So I think it would have been a nice thing for them to do to just ship that adapter in the box for a generation. But you can get it for whatever it costs. I have the I have the Thunderbolt adapter. It's amazing. It's like a block of cheese or something. It's 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 like a a tube attached to a wire. It's fascinating the amount of electronics that must be in there. Was that Thunderbolt to to what? To Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt 3 to traditional like mini display port shape Thunderbolt. Um, That's a weird adapter. But it works. I I actually transferred my data to this computer from my MacBook Air by putting my MacBook Air in Thunderbolt uh, target mode and attaching a Thunderbolt cable to that adapter to the Thunderbolt 3 on here. Let's talk about Thunderbolt for a second just because, I mean, this is true... We, we've been anticipating this day, but now it's here. These ports are Thunderbolt 3. Yeah, they're not actually USB-C. Yeah, I mean, they use the same connector. Yeah. And they emulate USB-C in the same way, and I know this is a weird parallel, but I'm making weird parallels right now. If you think about mini display port, used to be the port on, um, on some Mac yep. laptops. It was just a monitor port. And then it became the Thunderbolt port. But it was the same plug, and if you plugged a mini display port monitor into it, it just acted like a mini display port. Yep. That's what's on these new MacBook Pros. They are the shape of USB 3. If you plug in or, or USB C, if you plug in a USB C something, it works. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's great. But if you plug in a Thunderbolt 3 something, it gets all of the power of Thunderbolt 3, which is more. It's like a superset of what's in USB C. Yeah. And that's how you drive the 5K display is with Thunderbolt 3. But what it what it does mean is like that Thunderbolt uh, 3 to Thunderbolt 2 adapter that I bought, or Thunderbolt 3 to Thunderbolt, like, old, because I think it works with one or two. If you try to plug that into a MacBook, it doesn't work. Yeah. Because it's Thunderbolt. It needs Thunderbolt. Because the MacBook and is the MacBook USB-C. is USB-C. Now, I imagine next spring's MacBook will be Thunderbolt Will be 3. Thunderbolt 3. 
But well, maybe because the the problem you know. is the chipset and blah 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 blah. ATP. Yes, <laughs> ATP will tell you. But I would imagine as soon as they can possibly convert that thing, it will be into Thunderbolt. It's 3, a better connector. They will. It's just like I appreciate how good that connector is. But all I know is the world. The 2016 is not a USB C world yet. Things no. are moving. Yeah, but this it is going to help. This is going to help a lot. I mean, Apple only having one USB C product for a year and a half was not going to make things move a whole lot. And There's the more that's out that, there when the MacBook came out, so yeah. that's a good start. The hope is that Apple now give um, an excuse to the PC industry as yeah. well. That yeah. like now the PC industry say, oh, well, Apple's done it, so we'll do it too, which yeah. is how it, things it, tend to go. Yeah, I mean, it's already happening on the PC side, but I think that, I think that this will probably make it that much easier for yep. everybody on the PC side to push to USB-C. If not Thunderbolt three, I mean they they can pick up Thunderbolt three. That's an Intel thing. But if they don't do that, then there's then there's USB C at least, and it's a it's a much smaller connector, and uh, you know it's there it's reversible, so you can stick it in either way. As you said, ATP. They've been talking about this forever over there for ages. But that's it's, what um, they do. That's what they know. It's but bless them. I, I enjoy those conversations mm-hmm. a lot. So I learned that's how I knew that the the MacBook wouldn't work with. Thunderbolt 3 because yeah. the Intel chip but, says wrong. And in reality, I don't think this is going to be a conversion nightmare because I think if your device doesn't need the power of, of Thunderbolt 3, it won't be a Thunderbolt 3 device. There, there's not going to be, if you're like a MacBook person, you're like, oh my God, now everything I have to do, everything I buy, I've got to be careful that it's not the wrong thing. I think it'll be ex- devices that require the extreme speed of thunderbolt 3 that will build in thunderbolt 3 because there's a lot of overhead in thunderbolt 3 that i think isn't there in USB-C. so most things will probably be USB-C, and on the macbook pro it doesn't matter you'll just plug them in you won't worry about it because they'll all work mm-hmm. and it'll be fine but i think i think it's good i think it's great like i had that's why i did the draft pick i apple apple decided to rip the mandate off and just say everything you know there will not be here's another bold prediction i'll just throw it out there i think it's obvious so how bold could it be there will not be another Mac released with Thunderbolt and USB A ports. Yeah, it's on all it. it's all USB. It's all Thunderbolt three now. Yeah, with a possible exception being like a MacBook that might yeah. have to have a USB C. But I think they I, can't I, keep I, doing that because it's too confusing. I feel like th- this is the end of the old connections, this is and the end. they are just moving on to the new world. All right, let's wrap up today's episode with some ask upgrades. Andy wanted to know if he judged your mood correctly. Yeah, I see. I saw this picture. I'm going to put it in the show you, notes. You know, my mood. My mood was. This is during I'm, the TV introduction. Yeah, my movie. My mood was that I was in the third row, and I figured I was probably on going to be on camera. And so when I looked up, I would try to appear personable and like not angry. I wasn't angry. I'm working. The an- the answer to every question of when I saw you on the live video stream, what were you thinking or what were you doing or why did you look that way? The answer is always I was working. I was doing my job and working. That's what I was doing. You I was didn't not look very happy. I though. was not I was not angry. I was not unhappy. I was working. That's just how it is. I'm not sitting there. I, you know what? If I could just lay back and enjoy an Apple presentation. Also, I, I will say this about these Apple presentations. I'm not usually in the third row. I'm usually, mm. I'm usually toward the back. And fancy. we just sort of ended up up, up at the front. Um, and the, everybody in front of us was Apple employees. So I can say this. First off, all the applause that happens in Apple events 
um, starts there. Starts in the first row. Yeah. The first person to clap at all the clap lines is somebody in the first row. At least once I noticed that it was Eddie Q. <laughs> I could see Eddie Q Eddie. start the clapping, and I was like, all right, that, that's, where it's, that's where it's starting from. Eddie's on clap duty today. And it's a little bit awkward because I will clap at an Apple event for like a person who did something impressive or something like i'll do a polite clap for some things not for very long but i am not doing i do not participate in the here's a feature clap 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 especially when i'm sitting there and i can see how it's you know it's apple executives who are starting the clap so i i just you know it's it's fine it's a show it's marketing it is what it is and that's fine but so when you see me at on the video of the Apple event, you know, I'm 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 doing my job and trying to pay attention and trying not to look like I'm rolling my eyes and being uh, being mean to them because I'm really not. I'm just paying attention and uh, trying to do my job. Richard asked, considering the high prices of the MacBook Pro in the UK, would it be wise to buy the current iMac right now um, or just wait? Like, would it be? Would it be? Should you buy that? I think it's worth waiting. Ting, because the iMac price will probably not go up when they reintrodu- when they introduce the next one, so I would wait. If you can wait, I would still wait because it's more expensive now for the same computer. Right. So if you are able to wait, wait until they actually make that money worth it for you by giving and, you some new internals. And that's the same old thing that we we always say, which is if you can afford to wait, you should generally wait. And in Although, this like, case, you know, this like a Godot situation with the Mac, but yeah. I just I feel fairly confident that there will be an iMac update probably in the spring. So if you can wait until the spring, and to your point about UK prices, prices up now. So why not get a new computer with that that larger price instead of an old computer? Lucas wanted to ask, considering that you can charge the MacBook Pro from any of the the Thunderbolt three ports, mm-hmm. can you put in multiple chargers for quicker charging? No. It it picks. You could plug. You can plug in four chargers, <laughs> and what happens is it looks for the one that's supplying the most power. So if you've got like the big brick, because like the fifteen comes with a bigger brick than the thirteen, which comes with in a bigger brick than the the MacBook. There are gradations of uh, of wattage, um, and it will look for the one that's supplying the most power and use that. It does mean that you can charge on either side of that of those MacBooks that have the four ports, um, which is kind of flexible. If you if you're like I oh, I I it would work better in my setup if I plugged it in the right side, you can do that now, which you couldn't do when there was only the the MagSafe connector. But yeah, it it will look and if they're all the same, supplying the same amount of power, I don't know what it does. It probably has a sequence that it goes in that chooses which one. But in the end, that's what it's doing is is uh, it'll try to find the one that's supplying it with the most wattage, and then it takes that one. All right, that wraps up this week's episode. Um, if you want to find our show notes for today, uh, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 113. If you want to find Jason online, he is at, at Jason L, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter. He's at sixcolors.com. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much to Pingdom for supporting this week's episode. We are at the um, All Conference this weekend. So this is like basically these next things are if you're here. Uh, but even if you're not, Jason is is participating in something called All Radio mm-hmm. this week, which is a, a kind of a, a interesting podcast type thing that you're going to be take, you're going to be kind of running people through. 
Um, do you want to say like what can people can listen to this right? Yeah. So if you go, you can search for Ul Radio, U L L Radio on iTunes, or go to uh, the the RSS feed is at feedpress.me slash Ul Radio, U L L R A D I O. Of course, that will be in the show show notes as well. And what can people expect from that? Uh, well, it's uh, the conference hasn't started yet, so I haven't really decided. Uh, the goal is for me uh, to talk to people who are here to talk to speakers and other pres- presenters, and maybe even some conference participants, and have some chats and put them in the feed and provide sort of a, uh, some combination between sort of supplemental information for the uh, for the conference, as well as an opportunity for some of the great conversation that happens here at this conference to be accessible to people who aren't here. And just as a, a another note, I wonder if people listen, who are attending these conferences, listen to the podcast that we make at them yes so uh the password is bananas if you're at the all conference and you come to me and say the password bananas i'll give you some kind of special prize just because yeah. i'm interested to know i've got stickers jason has stickers so, so come to me and say bananas and i will make sure you get stickers there you go so that is the secret code word if you're at the all conference i just want to see if anyone if it will happen now. yeah so that's yeah, why I want to put right at the very end to people get right to the end whilst here. So bananas is the is the password. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. We'll be back next week and there will be a big, big ocean in between us. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Ghost has returned! <laughs> <laughs>